0: Hey everybody, welcome to FNO. This is Rob Beller along with Lee Boyd coming to you today to talk about insurance and InsurTech. Today we will continue our introductory season and we have a very, very, very special guest with us who's here to represent and talk about InsureTech, uh, maybe from an insider view, but probably more than that. He's a super smart guy and very well-spoken, and that is Mr. Brett Goldberg, who is with us today.
1: Rob, thank you so much. It's great to be in this conversation on this show with you guys. I always enjoy the chance to talk to you and the folks at 470, and uh, you had too many Varies in your in your compliment of me and uh, too many kind things to say, but um, but but I hope I can have an enjoyable conversation with you guys today and provide some nuggets of information and education or otherwise to to those that may be listening.
2: Well, I I would like to say welcome to Brett. I have known Brett for a long time. Uh, I met Brett back at a PLRB conference many many years ago, three four years ago, and. Really, I just remember Brett's uh, charismatic drive and really insight into the industry at that time. Uh, we had some great conversations, and over the years, we've been able to form a relationship that we've been able to dream about the future and talk about current state. So it 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 really is great to have you on today, Brett.
0: Thanks, Lee. Great. Yeah, to talk Brett to is to one say. of those guys where when I have a conversation with him, I need to have my dictionary in my hand because. <laughs> He uses words that I've never heard before, but that's because he's a really smart guy. So Brett, how is it that you got so smart? What's your story? Where'd you grow up and where'd you come from? That's funny that you, what you just said, Rob, as always, I love, I love that about you because
1: it's either it maybe smart and intelligence, it may be obnoxious and, and, <laughs> and irritating and it's probably, it's probably somewhere in between and, and, <laughs> and uh, I'll have to continue to watch that that fine line. Uh, briefly, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, which is where I'm talking to you guys from um, today. I have uh, left here, left Denver on a few occasions, uh, one of which was to attend college uh, on the East Coast. I was in North Carolina at Duke University, and um, subsequent uh, to college, spent several years in the 2000s uh, in Seattle, which was a really dynamic market to be in from a From a technology standpoint, from a software standpoint, uh, I think the Amazon stock, when I was there in in 2005 through 2007, was was hovering around $60 a share, uh, which actually makes me very foolish. Uh, for not having bought a meaningful amount of Amazon stock in particular at that time. But I've always been uh, in my career, dating back to college, uh, and and really the, the internet 1.0 era, I've always been enamored with technology. I've always been enamored with modern practical technology solutions that solve real problems uh, and real needs. And I've always enjoyed the early stage uh, technology environment where where people are working with leading customers, working with smart people like the two of you guys, uh, to figure out how to create solutions that aren't just tech for tech's sake, but but really provide value. And so we'll talk about the business I was involved with in Tech more as it goes along. But but I've I've always wanted to, to, to kind of think about how do you actually. Modernize the applications of technology and create value, and then subsequently wealth for for those involved.
2: Brett, you know, it, it it makes me wonder: what do you think insurance companies want to do now? Are they looking for ways to get things done quicker, uh, or are they looking for ways to engage with their customers deeper? What is your thought on that?
1: Uh, you know, the insurance industry was a was a fascinating one to learn about over the last five or six years. It is an industry that at its core is about providing or operating, I should say, as a, as a financial institution. They are thinking first and foremost about risk, uh, covering risk and defraying the costs associated with managing that risk, uh, so as to get the, the greatest return and the greatest value Uh, On the investment they're making in that risk. And so costs need to be contained as best possible. And I think that is and will always continue to be number one in conjunction with providing the products and the services that they offer. And number two, I think at their core, if you think about every single insurance advertisement you see on television these days, and I I would bet it really truly is one of the few industries that is still um, spending meaningful money on things like TV ads. It is about exceptional customer service at its core. Some do it well, as you guys know, and some don't. But I think providing excellent customer service for those moments when the customer service needs to be at its best is a really core function and objective of what the insurance business wants to do and and at least so in particular the claims end of it well claims is claims is that that moment right it's that spotlight moment rob it's it's that moment when when you've been paying money when you've been paying you know these premiums where you might be wondering what what am i paying for well this is that moment this is the time where the product is supposed to come to light where it's supposed to make sense how this works, where there's supposed to be a group of people that take care of me if I'm, for example, in a a residential home claims environment and guide me through the process of receiving the money I need in order to restore my property, restore my life, not deal with business interruptions if it's a commercial claim and all that goes into getting back up and running as seamlessly and quickly and fluidly as possible. So yeah, the claim is the moment where the insurance company and the insurance product shine or or fail. So
0: getting back to your background for a minute, you finish college, you start into this, you start into your career. How did you evolve into an insure tech guy? How did that happen? I had mostly been in
1: digital media focused and some telecommunications focused businesses for the the better part of about 15 years until in 2013, late 2013, actually just about five years ago, I was connected to a couple of individuals who were longtime residential property adjusters who were starting a a new venture uh, and were starting a business focused on uh, what actually wasn't even called the insure tech market at that time. That term did not exist. amazingly. that that shows sort of the progress, if you will, of the broader industry over five years. But they were trying to figure out a mobile first field first solution for the objective of data capture. They said the clipboard and graph paper prevails. The DSLR camera dominates the data capture process of today. That information all either efficiently or inefficiently gets incorporated into estimating software. And that's the workflow of today. But that doesn't always work well. It doesn't always work quickly. It doesn't always work efficiently. And so we're trying to figure out how to create uh, a new mobile workforce um, technology solution, if you will, that will make the industry better. And I thought to myself, wow, compared to what I've seen in digital media, compared to what I've done in IPTV, that's a real problem to be solved. That is truly interesting. And as I started seeing the total addressable market size of PNC, property and casualty insurance, I was was very attracted to the opportunity to create a real solution of, of potential real value to an industry that I felt needed it. Uh, and so I, I jumped in feed first and was you know, fortunate at, at the business we're talking about, Specs, to become one of the, the heads and the leaders of that business and really propel that solution forward into the market over a series of years.
0: So this was kind of uh, some adjusters who saw a problem absolutely saw a problem. But then I think like
1: any true entrepreneur said, Rob, I want to do something about this. I don't want to just vocalize frustration. I don't want to just uh, dwell in the status quo. I want to I want to be part uh, of the solution. And I would still say to this day that if you look at a business uh, in this particular arena that was started in Late 2013, early 2014, and the business had gotten a little bit of a start before that uh, in conjunction with Superstorm Sandy, but I think that timing was pretty darn good. And I know enough to know, having, having been involved and, and, and helped run early stage technology companies, ventures for a while, uh, timing is key. You have got to be spot on in, t- in terms of, of the deployment of resources, and you've got to make the timing work so that the market recognizes what you've got and what you need when you're trying to bring it to customers. Uh, and that was certainly the case with uh, with specs. So you think you ha- the timing was good? I think the timing was really good. I mean, again, I I think there was a, I can think back over five years and think about the conversation evolving from one in which people were saying, why would I need this? How do I consume this to what do I pay for this Um, to how do we make this a part of our future together? And that is a, a partnership path. That, in terms of sort of those early customers and that early market adoption, you absolutely want to be facilitating and enabling. and and we experienced a lot of that with folks, including
0: you know four seventy claims and you guys. So I have a question for you about being an insure tech company. Were you an insurance company or were you a technology company? technology company? not even a not even a hesitation in my mind
1: to say that. I, I think there is a I think there is a. Uh, it, it's it's really important to understand uh, and continue to, to validate sort of what one's identity is. As as individuals, we owe that to ourselves and our families and our friends all the time. But as a company, I think it's important to look at yourself and say, what 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 am I? Uh, am I a, a, a product business? Am I a service business? Uh, am I a technology company? Am I a, a different form of business? A, a business process outsourced or whatever it may be. And we we were very clear. Uh, I think we always tried to be clear about what our DNA was, and it was about building good products. Now, sometimes, uh, and I think the tech-enabled service business model has been a really interesting one to, uh, to understand and watch evolve. There's companies like Inservio in the market that have done a really good job with this. Some, sometimes you need to uh, almost dog food your technology to a market. Sometimes you need to help that technology or that product get traction in a market. We were starting to do, um, Specs has started to do some of that through customer success and other functions. But no, no no mistake, Uh, technology and a product-oriented business to complement the roles of service providers, independent adjustment firms, forensic engineering firms, and then potentially the, the insurance carriers themselves. And let me ask you guys a question. I mean, I'm interested i'm I'm interested to hear you know your your perspective on that. It's interesting to actually ask the question back to you guys to say, you know when you at say a four seventy are in the environment of of looking to license or purchase or obtain technology in some form or fashion, how do you think about that in terms of you know, the companies you get excited to work with or not? how important to it is it to you um that they understand? their identity, that they understand sort of where their role starts and stops, and then you can pick it up and, and help bring it to market, make it more valuable, add your secret sauce and your flavor to it. Where, how do you think about that?
2: You know, Brett, that's actually a, a really good question because uh, we deal with technology all the time. We're always talking to to new companies and figuring out what they can do. And I often always say we don't partner with companies because of where they are today, but we partner with companies because of where they're going to be next year, in five years, and in 10 years, right? We want to know what their roadmap is. Uh, So it's very important to us to know that they are not tapped out. They they don't have an all solution, completely finished, but we want them to be able to grow with us and to be able to continue with our efforts. It is very important to us also that a company understands who they are, right? Because uh, we have partnered with companies where they come in and they tell us, how to do different processes, even though they're a technology company and and we're a a process company, they may come in, tell us to do things different ways, but really we're looking for them as a technology partner. And uh, that's a very interesting thought uh, whenever you bring that up to know one's identity. Something else that is very interesting to me is technology companies in the insurance space because very, very few technology companies enter into the insured tech space with an understanding of what they're getting into. I I talk to companies all the time who are technology companies. They work in the financial industry or construction industry even, but maybe not in the insurance space where they're dealing with independents or carriers or anything like that. And it is a different world. It is a different intro It's a different breakthrough into the market, and a lot of people don't understand. They're not ready for the time that it takes. It's a very large time difference, and uh, I I think that's an interesting thought to technology companies to be aware of what you are whenever you enter a company and be sure to do your homework on that company.
1: I, uh, you know, look, I I think that is... What you just described is um, is absolutely core to to any market that you that that you walk into, whether it's insurance or or whether it's uh, an altogether different space. Um, You you need to really have a handle on what it's going to take, realistically, conservatively, what it's going to take to sell into that marketplace. What are their needs? What are their pain points? What is their sense of urgency? what is the way in which people want to be sold to can you get closed sales through an inside sales team and some effective marketing on a website or do you need to meet and greet and shake hands and have dinner through a trade show circuit and the insurance industry is a is a very thoughtful very pragmatic and and i would say pretty darn conservative market as it relates to change, shifting workflows and the way in which resources are used, and who it allows and who it doesn't allow into the industry. And so certainly learned some things along the way in terms of conservative sales forecasting, how long things were going to take, and the importance of um, sort of recognizing those ebbs and flows and patterns to plan accordingly. From a budgeting standpoint and and otherwise, because I'm sure, and I'm sure 470 is an example of this, you guys have ingested new technologies and spit them out. If you did not like the approach of the salespeople, if you did not like the account management you got on the other side of the sale, if the technology and the product wasn't what it was advertised to be. And even to your point, Lee, if you didn't like what was coming next, where their roadmap was taking you, and you were only buying into something that was a short-term purchase uh, for the purposes of winning you guys over on a pilot or a proof of concept. So all of that is the complexity of the, of the go-to-market for one of these technology companies. And, and, and I would certainly say as something of a, I guess maybe an expert in this particular area, taking new technology to market in the insurance world is not for the faint of heart. It is for those that are in it for the long run, in it to potentially win some big dollars, but do so on a larger time span than maybe sometimes the the, the
0: VC or the PE or the other investment profiles might desire. Is that something that you were ready for, or is that something that you learned as you went at the insuretech conference recently? one of the points that came out was, you know, these insure tech companies, they have a ramp, right? They have so much time, so much money to keep them going that they're going to burn through over whatever the period of time is. But it takes a long time for a carrier to make a decision, for a carrier to trust you, for a carrier to figure all the parts out about how they're going to use you. Is that something that... Surprise you? Were you ready for that? I'm sure you have a lot of <laughs> learning and lessons that you did around that.
1: Yeah, Rob. I, um, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I had one of the markets that I knew had been meaningfully involved with uh, prior to getting involved in, in this market was higher education. The education market is, is similarly conservative. And similarly slow to move as it relates to allocating budget dollars to new technologies and new solutions. So I had some understanding of the pace, but I will admit to being a bit surprised by how conservative some of the carriers were, how reticent uh, they were at times to to just try something, to just pilot something. Uh, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and I respect all of them. and And as the customer opening up one's checkbook, you have that right to you know to be thoughtful and pragmatic and as really as slow as you want to be. If you generally like how your business is operating, of course, everyone uh, has problems to be solved and things that need to be improved. but um, they they had they had that right. And I think there was, yes, there was a lot of learnings for me in terms of how to really think about timelines, how to manage investor expectations accordingly, and how to grow the business in a way that wasn't overly aggressive, but was well-tempoed, appropriately-tempoed
0: to what the market was ready to take. So what do you do with that? <laughs> I mean, it must have been a tremendous source of pressure. Uh, yeah, it
1: is. it is. It is a source of pressure. There is no singular answer to that one of the things that certainly is important in that environment in that type of market environment is finding the early customers the strategic customers the ones who are willing to get in front of the adoption curve willing to potentially be a co-development partner a industry leader a pilot user who are getting configuration benefits, customization benefits, if you will, um, but not necessarily paying for those customer benefits, are instead giving the, the company, the vendor, the opportunity to learn and grow and refine its product without necessarily spending a whole lot of money and so you just have to find if you're that technology company or that vendor you've got to find customers along the spectrum from the leaders to the laggards and everywhere in between and you need to market and budget a plan accordingly and not spend more than your budget allows for the risk of potentially running out of money and mistiming it before the market is ready at a broader scale to embrace.
2: Hey, Brett, tell me about whenever you were going to a market with a new product, where did you find the greatest success? Was that with the carriers or is it with subcontractors of the carriers? Who is willing to jump out front first?
1: And, And you're talking specifically, Lee, to our industry here that we're talking about and sort of the range of different players within it. You know, it it, um, it, it was going to be one of those things for us, thinking back over the last five years, that we didn't definitively have an absolute right black or white answer to. We, we were going to explore door number one, and then door number two, and then door number three. And both of you guys know me well enough to know that grit and perseverance are, are certainly descriptions that can be used about me, and certainly probably the kind of descriptions that need to be used about any early stage technology company and their efforts to sell and create a business development funnel and grow. In our particular situation, it was the service providers, like some of the independent adjustment firms, like some of the TPAs, like some of the forensic engineering firms that jumped forward first and said, we can get in front of this. We can be the ones who drive how technology like this gets utilized and the value it creates for the carrier before the carrier may force it down our throats, before the carrier may dictate that this is what needs to happen. We also got some good traction, pretty good traction, with the mutual insurance companies. And really, if you think about that segment of the market, what you're talking about, what I'm describing there is small, medium businesses, small, medium insurance companies that were a little bit more nimble, a little bit more adept, um, had fewer resources, for example, in the field, and were able to try new technology on an experimental basis without really needing to shift the direction of the Titanic in order to make it work. What I'm seeing now, this is over the last couple of months, um, since I've been less involved, obviously, in, in specs, I'm seeing some of the new insurance carriers, the hippos of the world, the lemonades of the world, also starting to serve as insure tech consumers. And I love that trend as well. I think that is a great trends as it relates to iot sensory devices or some of the claims technology solutions or some of the other data capture solutions that makes a ton of sense because they are um, less restricted by less locked into the systems or the resource patterns that they've been utilizing for the last 20 30 40 years and therefore that can give them more flexibility to try new technology solutions without being encumbered in their past
0: right and i think those kinds of carriers are kind of expected to be edgy and creative, much more so than a traditional old-school carrier. Uh, 100%. So it's interesting that you bring up mutuals. I'm a little surprised by that, because when I think about you know old-school conservative carriers, you know so these, some of these small mutuals absolutely fit that bill. I'm surprised they'd be willing to take a chance or a risk on a, on a new tech. I think in some cases, you described that segment
1: correctly. And in other cases, I think some of the smaller, more rural mutual insurance companies recognize the world changing around them. And they recognize that to continue to operate financially as they need to, to continue to provide, say, accelerated cycle times or lower loss adjustment expenses, or even just straight up good customer service interactions, there are new technologies that exist today that didn't exist five or 10 years ago, they need to experiment with. And so, yeah, no, we had at Specs, and have had some really nice success with a handful of insurance companies. Now, they're not the type of companies that are going to make the business, but they certainly are the type of customers that can inform the product of today, inform the product of tomorrow, and put capital into the books that can fuel um, product delivery and, and product development, not only just for their own benefits, but for the broader market.
2: So Brett, where do you see insurtech tech in the next five years? Where what what do you think everybody will be focusing on? I, I see a lot of focus right now on inspection apps to get data back in quicker, and I'm starting to see a lot of the IoT devices. Do you think that the insurtech tech market will be able to break into utilizing software like uh, Alexa's or the Google platform and be able to actually do anything with that data?
1: I mean, in summary, it's a you know obviously it's a big strategic, heady questionly, And I'm going to start my answer thinking about the world of InsurTech related to claims, right? For where 470 provides the greatest value, let's start there and let's build up a little bit from it. I think solutions that provide as consistent and standardized of field data capture as possible are going to be the types of solutions that will gain more and more traction over the next few years. Now, that can be through automated technology, that can be through sensory devices, that can be through drones, that can be through software running on a tablet or on one's phone. And I think what's really important to think about in the world of property insurance is that 80% of the claims volume is increasingly needing to be standardized in the way that that data gets captured. It isn't so much about absolute precision of the dollar spent and absolute experience of 20 or 30 or 40 years being required on all of those claims. It is about better, faster, cheaper solutions coming to market that allow for faster cycle times, And lower LAE straight up. Now, as you move up market to the mid-market, to the larger losses, to the major commercial losses, to the high net residential losses, expertise is required in terms of who's doing the job and more discretion is required to determine what is going to be the unique set of protocols and the tasks that are going to be executed to get the job done. Is this about a series of diagrams? Is this about an extensive amount of photo capture? Is this about effective utilization of drones? Is this about utilizing video and some conditional logic and some questions on the ground when you're in the interior and judging with thoughtfulness when and where and why and how you're going to be using that? Because the workflows are going to be less consistent. And so it really is a matter in in sort of claims of understanding where you are where you dwell where you focus and what is the path to create the greatest level of value for the the segment or series of segments that you focus on now when you pull yeah and i'll and i'll pause there because there's probably a lot of meat on the bones of, of that alone and then we can continue on if it makes sense guys to sort of the larger question of where's insure tech and insurance broadly going over the next five or ten
2: yeah, I think so. Go ahead and talk on that one. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think at the end of the day, you know, as you continue to look, you know, sort of more broadly at what is insurance, and you go back to that statement, which I think is just a generally a, a acknowledged fact, which is this is about risk, this is about data, this is about patterns, this is about reducing risk as best possible, then the more preventative information you have, the more preventative data you have, the better off you're going to be in avoidance of claims, avoidance of losses, understanding that when a loss does happen, it was covered and you've got you know, the capital on the balance sheet in order to cover it properly if you're in the insurance carrier. And so I love IoT devices in that regard. I've come to know over the last several months, even better than I did before, several sensory devices, technology devices, being deployed on cargo shipments, being deployed in residential homes to watch for things like flood levels, water loss levels, and basements on some pumps and otherwise. And I think those types of technologies are absolutely going to become mission critical. And the kind of things just where insurance companies have always said, hey, look, if, if you've got an alarm system on your house we're willing to give you a discount on your premiums. If you've got a sensory device involved here, it, we can do some much more creative things about what we charge for this product, because we're that much more sure that we're not going to experience a loss. And so that that to me is interesting. Now, Now, where Alexa and where Google Voice and where some of those other things come into play, Lee, you asked about Alexa and other voice technology type solutions. I'm interested to hear your opinion on that. I don't see that being directly as valuable or important to the data capture or the preventative data opportunities as some of the other scenarios I just described. But I certainly see some other ways in which some other companies maybe even including Amazon will soon be selling insurance policies and that opens up a whole new world of sort of the redefinition of the insurance insurance company from the top down.
2: You know, I agree with you Alexa and talking not necessarily will be changing the world, but I do think that the integration of all IoT devices is really the ultimate package because really what we're looking for is is the risk. How do I know if I'm insuring the right property or not. So once you can get the right devices to understand if there's water damage or the possibility of water damage tied in with how many people come to your house using a nest or a or a ring on the front door, right? Maybe there's a way to tie all this data using APIs uh, back in to really understand the actual description of the risk and if that's something that the insurance company needs to insure i don't see alexa changing the world but i do see the iot devices being a very large push and change as a whole
0: absolutely agree great answer great answer
2: well we've loved we've loved having you
0: (laughs) step on you lee we loved having you with us
2: thank you so much for being a part brett